Welcome to the podcast for Real Church Coweta. We meet every Sunday at 10 a.m. at the Worship Center on the campus of Central Christian School in Sharpsburg. You can also check us out online at realchurchcoweta.com or jump on Facebook at Real Church Coweta. We hope you enjoy this week's message. All right, you guys can be seated. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you so much for putting up with our hijinks here today. Um, I... I'm always amazed by what God does in messages, and I'm always amazed by what He does um, with our situations that are going on today in our society. I'm always amazed, and I want to tell you something. The message today was, well, I did not plan this message out to fall on this day, but it's so appropriate that it did fall on this day because of our elections on Tuesday. Um, here in Georgia, and I want to tell you that there's a lot of other things besides the elections that we're going to discuss today, but it's an amazing thing how God works things out. So I'm going to ask you to turn to John chapter 4, if you would. John chapter 4, we're going to start with verse 1 there, so go ahead and get John chapter 4 ready. And I want to go over a brief summary now, just to let you know if you're new here, we, uh, we're going through a series called Believe, and we are actually going through, what we usually try to do here is, is we try to go through a book of the Bible throughout the year. We'll hit the pause button for around the holidays, and we'll hit the pause button um, around, um, around the summer, but we do try to go through a book of the Bible. I will tell you that we're going through the book of John, and I'm also going to tell you that we're probably going to run into the summer and maybe into the fall. I don't know. I have no idea. Um, but what we are going to do is, is we're going to go every line verse by verse. And we're going to look at exactly the background, uh, everything surrounding it. We're going to look at what God has. Um, I always like to ask this question when I read the text of the scripture, when I read the Bible. I like to say, uh, what does it say about God? What does it say about me? And what am I going to do with it? Um, and I encourage you to do the same thing. And so... John was a book written by the disciple who was known as uh, the disciple that Jesus loved. I told you before that he's answering the questions for the Christians in Ephesus. And it's not synoptic, okay? Matthew, Mark, and Luke are synoptic. That means they go in some semblance of order. John tends to bounce around a little bit. And he doesn't include, he doesn't include the whole uh, for instance, he doesn't, there, he doesn't give a narrative as it's based off of uh, the birth of Christ. And then, and, and then he, he doesn't give a narrative around his, his childhood. And he doesn't give a narrative around those things. And so um, John jumps right in, was in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God and the Word was God. And he jumped right into who he is. And so the main uh, thrust of the, of the section is, though, is here's the goal. If we could bring up uh, John 20, verse 31. It's the reason why we have believe back here. We have believe, and in the middle of the believe, we have live. And it's this, but these are written so that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah. So he wants you to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. And here it is, by believing in him, you will have, the, uh, you will have life. And he doesn't mean life as in eternal life. He does mean that, but it's more than that. He will have life not only eternally, but you will also have life here, which is why we see uh, verses like John 10, 10, okay, that says God came to, you know, Jesus came so that you may have a life and have it in more abundance. And so believing in him, you will have life by the power of his 
name. You have power of his name. And so we're going to look at John chapter 4, verses 1 through 4. And here's what it says. John verses 4, verses 1 through 4. Jesus knew the Pharisees had heard that he was baptizing and making more disciples than John. So I want to stop right there and let you guys know from last week, we talked about how John, John had to decrease so that Jesus could increase. John's disciples came to him because they were kind of mad because there was a Jewish guy that was saying, hey, listen, you know, he's talking to him about baptisms. And they came mad because they were like, wait a minute, this, this Jesus guy, the one that you baptized, the one that you, you, had, you had told us about, he's baptizing more. And there's actually disciples of ours that are going to him and what's up with that and John answers not in a jealousy Uh, John the Baptist answers not in jealousy he doesn't answer as if he is going to you know get uh, upset and angry what he says was was he says listen I've already told you what my calling was I've told you what my mission was and now I want to tell you again I'm not the Messiah but he is the Messiah therefore he must increase and I must decrease. And I encourage you to be the same way in your life. And so now Jesus knew the Pharisees had heard that he was baptizing and making more disciples than John. Though he himself didn't baptize them, his disciples did. So he left Judea and returned to Galilee. He had to go through Samaria on the way. And then we're going to stop right there. So, remember that I told you that John's gospel was layered. John has a layered gospel. What does that mean? It means that the words say one thing, but knowing the context and knowing the clues around it, John is actually saying something much deeper than just what's on the surface. Now let me say something to you. If all you ever knew was what's on the surface... With, these, with, with the Bible, if you just knew the surface things, you'd be okay. But it's a whole lot more understanding, and there's a whole lot more, for me, a whole lot more fun, a whole lot more, a, a, whole, a whole lot more depth when you understand the deeper things. And today's message is very, very layered. It's very, very layered. There's a lot of layers. In this verse, I want to tell you that our, well, let's just, let me just go. Can you bring up the map? Bring up the map. Here's the map. I got my pointer. All right. I got my, yeah, it's working. I got my pointer today. So Jesus was in Judea. You guys see that right there? That's where he was. He was in this area here. Okay. And so he had to get to Galilee up here, right? So the word says he had to go through Samaria on the way. So that makes sense to you guys, right? That here's Judea, here's Galilee. He had to go through Samaria on the way. Well, that wasn't true. It wasn't necessarily true what he was saying. What he's doing is, is he's giving you something deeper. I want to tell you about the relationship between the Sumerians and those, those Israelites. Let's look at, uh, I think we have it in 2 Kings verse 17. All right, 2 Kings verse 17. Hoshea son of Elah began to rule over Israel in the twelfth year of King Ahaz's reign in Judah. 
He reigned in Samaria nine years. He did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, but not uh, to the extent of the kings of Israel who ruled before him. Uh, king Shalmaneser of Assyria attacked King Hosea, and uh, so Hosea was forced to pay heavy tribute to Assyria. But Hosea stopped paying the annual tribute and conspired against the king of Assyria by asking King So of Egypt to help him shake free of Assyria's power. And when the king of Assyria discovered this treachery, he seized Hosea and put him, he put him in prison. And then it goes on to say, Then the king of Assyria invaded the entire land, and for three years he besieged the city of Samaria. All right. And then it says, Finally, the ninth year of King Hosea's reign, Samaria fell, and the people of Israel were exiled to Assyria. They were settled in, in colonies in Hala, along with the banks of the Harbor River in Gozan, and in the cities of the Medes. So, they have, he said he, he wasn't quite as bad as all the other ones, but the king in Samaria ended up betraying the Assyrians. The Assyrians came in, they besieged the city, they attacked the area, and then all of a sudden it fell. And the people of Israel, the people of Israel were exiled. Can you go back to that, please? The people of Israel were exiled to Assyria. Now, let's go to the same chapter, verse 24 through 33. The king of Assyria transported groups of people from Babylon, Kutka, Ava, Hamath, and Shepvarium. I'm doing pretty good on these names, I practiced. And resettled them in the towns of Samaria, replacing, here it is, replacing the people of Israel. They took possession of Samaria and lived in its towns. But since these foreign settlers did not worship the Lord when they first arrived, the Lord sent lions among them, which killed some of them. So a message was sent to the king of Assyria. The people you have sent to live in the towns of Samaria do not know the religious customs of God of the land. He has sent lions among them to destroy them because they have not worshipped him correctly. The king of Assyria then commanded, send one of the exiled priests back to Samaria. Let him live there and teach the new residents the religious customs of the God of the land. And so one of the priests who had been exiled from Samaria's return to Bethel and returned to Bethel and taught the new residents how to worship the Lord. But these, here it is, these various groups of foreigners also continue to worship their own gods. In town after town where they lived, all in Samaria, they placed their idols at the pagan shrines that the people of Samaria had built. Those from Babylon worshipped idols of the Suck of Banoth. Uh, those of Kutka worship the, the god uh, Nagal, and those of Hamath uh, worshiped Ashima. The Avites worshiped their gods of Nisbah and, and uh, Tartak, and the people of Shephram, that's a hard one for me, even burned their own children as sacrifices to the gods of Adremelech and Alemelech. That's pretty good. These new residents worshiped the Lord, but they also appointed from among them all sorts of people as priests. To offer sacrifices at their places of worship. And though they worship the Lord, they continue to follow their own gods according to the religious customs of the nations from which they came. So, 
I need, that, that was in 722, by the way, B.C. That happened in 722. And I want you to understand something. The people, can we go back to the map, Lynn? The people, the people who lived in Judea and Galilee up in the top, the people could not stand the Samaritans. They, they actually considered them a different race of people. They couldn't stand them. They, see, they saw them as impure. They saw them as half-breeds. So what occurred was the people came in that Assyria brought into Samaria. And people that, some people were left, some of the Jewish people that were left in Samaria. And they all intermarried and it was like a big old pot of vegetable soup. It was a big old, all kinds of religions, all kinds of stuff. And because of that, the people of Israel could not stand them. There was a hatred toward them. There was a hatred. They thought they were impure. And they thought that they were less than. As a matter of fact, if you were in Judea, you would not travel through Samaria. It was so despised that you just simply wouldn't go there. Do you know what the religious people would do? They would cut out through Perea, up through here, and cross over right in through there and go all the way up to Galilee. That's how they took the route, right there. That route right there. Instead of going straight through, they took this route. Did Jesus have to go through Samaria? Well, no, not physically he didn't, but spiritually he did to teach his disciples a lesson, and I believe to teach you and I a lesson. And that's what we're going to talk about today. He chose to go through Samaria. Today's message, you guys, is a heavy one. Uh, and I've touched on it a couple of different times since we've, uh, since the church has been, has been meeting. I want to talk to you today about Jesus' voice on unity and on race. I want to talk to you about Jesus' voice on unity and on race. We appear to be one of the most polarized, in, in the most polarized time in American history. We appear to be in a time where there is black and white and nothing in between as far as our opinions. We appear to be people that despise one another if you go on social media or you go watch the news. Uh, we are in a, in, a, in a time where we actually, I don't know if you guys feel this way, but you, you can't get straight news from anybody. You know, I just want to say, Walter Cronkite, where are you? You know what I mean? I mean, I mean, um, we are at a time where we don't know what is right or wrong as far as American news goes today. Um, and what we've done oftentimes is, is we have gotten in our bunkers and we've lobbed things over back and forth and thinking it's going to help. And I don't think it does help. We have an election Tuesday um, that is very polarizing. 
uh, we have election Tuesday that is, um, is very important, I, I do think. I, and everything I said today, I want you to understand, I am a firm advocate for being in the public square as a follower of Jesus. You hear that? I want to say that again. I am a firm advocate. Our voice is to be heard. Our voice is to be, listen, we're the only voice that speaks truth, real truth, biblical truth. And so, of course, our voice needs to be heard. But we, we are in a time where there is so much conflict and there's so much arguing back and forth that honestly it's given me a headache. And I'm pretty sure it's given you guys a headache too. And so in times like this of confusion and in times like this, I think what we have to do is, is go back to the Word and see what the Word says. And I think John 4 verses 1 through 4 is going to teach us something about Jesus' attitude toward unity. And toward race. I want to tell you this. I've told you this before. But I want to tell you this again. My first point is this. Is as a Jesus follower. Our citizenship now is in heaven first. I want you to get that. As a Jesus follower. Our citizenship is now in heaven first. Heaven first. Philippians 3. 17-20 says this. It says dear brothers and sisters. Pattern your lives after mine. And learn from those who follow our example. For I have told you often, I say it again with many tears in my eyes, that there are many of those who conduct shows, uh, they are real, uh, they are, um, their conduct shows they are really enemies of the cross of Christ. They are headed for destruction. Their God is their appetite. They brag about shameful things and they think only about life here on earth. And here's the part, but we are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives and we eagerly await for Him to return as our Savior. I want you to understand something. I firmly believe that God can give favor. He can give favor. And as a matter of fact, He does give favor to those nations that glorify Him and raise Him up. But I want you to understand something. My allegiance is to Jesus first. I am a citizen of heaven first, and I'm a citizen of the United States second. I want you to hear that. And so my allegiance is to what the Scripture says. Not to what our President says and not to what our Congress says and not to what whoever else says. My allegiance is to the Word of God. And I think some of us have gotten that a little off track. I think what we, I've always tell people this, when you take a Christian and you take, you take a Christian and you take a politician and put them together, you're going to get a politician. And unfortunately that happens nine out of ten times. Nine out of ten times. We are to look for Jesus as our guide, not some political party or group that claims to represent Him. And I want to say this, not the color of our skin, not the group we most closely align to, because of why? Because we have been given a new nature. Colossians says it like this, and I love how it says it. Colossians chapter 3 says, put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your Creator and become like him in this new life it doesn't matter if you are Jew or Gentile or circumcised or uncircumcised or barbaric uncivilized slave or free Christ is all that matters and he lives in who all of us say that again all of us he lives in all of us it doesn't matter what your mom or dad felt about people it doesn't matter what your grandma or grandpa felt about people. It doesn't matter what your aunt and uncle said. 
Our new nature, I want you to get this, our new nature is to be a reflection of Jesus. A reflection of Jesus himself. I want to tell you a truth that may be hard to hear for some of you guys, but I want to say it anyway. If you're more worried about a heritage than you are other people, I don't know that you're walking closely enough with Christ. If you're more worried about whether someone's a Democrat or Republican, I don't know if you're walking closely enough with Christ. If you're more worried about someone's political party than you are the condition of their soul, I don't know that you're walking closely enough with Christ. John 3.30, we learned it last week, says this. John 3.30 says this. It says, He must become greater and greater, and I must become less and less. We are to die to ourselves. Now, does that mean you can't be affiliated with a political party? No, it does not. Does that mean you can't have your voice heard? No, it does not. But when you begin to place people into buckets, and this bucket is good, and that bucket is bad, and I am right, and they are wrong, and I, when you do that, and you don't use the filter of Christ, because I want to tell you something. I want to tell you something. Those disciples did not want to go through Samaria. They did not want to go through Samaria. They wanted to go around Samaria. And then Jesus does something just crazy. When he gets to Samaria, we're going to see this next week, he sends them out to minister to people. He sends them out to the very ones. That's a little preview of next week. As a follower of Jesus, our citizenship is in, is in heaven now. And it's, and it's first. And that should guide who we are. That should guide who we are. Here's the second thing. Jesus died for all people, from all races, from every part of the earth. I want to say something to you that I've heard many times and I love it. The ground is level at the foot of the cross. The ground is level at the foot of the cross. Be you poor, be you rich, be you black, be you white, be you yellow, red, Republicans, Democrats, Independents, it doesn't matter. The ground, the ground is level at the foot of the cross. And I want to tell you something. We saw this a few weeks ago, and we see it in these verses when it says Jesus knew that the Pharisees had heard, the religious people had heard that Jesus was doing all this baptizing. I want you to hear this. Jesus was hated by the church. The very foundation that he came, he was hated by the church. That's why Nicodemus came at night. We heard two weeks ago. That's why he came at night. You know why he was hated by the church? He was hated by the church because he went to the people and the places that they refused to go to. He went to the people and the places that they refused to go to. And he associated with people that they refused to associate with. And he loved people who they refused to associate with and loved. And he went to those that were marginalized. And he went to those that were despised. The way he picked out his disciples is a clear example of this. And we can go through that at some point. They were from all different areas. Tax collectors, fishermen, accountants. There was even a radical zealot who wanted to overthrow Rome. The message is clear. And it's been clear from the start. Listen, the good news is for everyone everyone the good news and here's the second thing he's saying can we bring the map back up there he's saying this he's saying 
we are to love everyone. Even those people that you think are half-breeds. Even those people that you despise. Even those people that you find uh, uh, you know, detestable. Even those people. Even those people. We are to love those people. Here, listen, I want you to understand, we're not to go around them. We're not to do that. We're not to, we're not to skimmy around them. We're not to, when we're walking in the Walmart thing, when we're walking down with our buggy, we're not to see people and go, ooh, and go the opposite way around them. No. Jesus had to go through Samaria. And you and I have to go through Samaria. We have to go through to those people that we feel are detestable. Let me ask you a question. How else are they going to hear? And who's going to tell them? You. Me. What are Jesus' part? What is his opinion about race and unity? Be unified. And be colorblind. He didn't care. And next week we're going we're gonna to see him minister to a lady that was so scorned. And we're going to look at the background behind, behind the place that he was at. And it's going to blow your mind. There's so much there to unpack. And he's going to know things that she doesn't understand. But he had to go through Samaria. And I really believe that some of us need to choose and start choosing to go through Samaria. I want to tell you a truth that I'm ashamed of, actually, and it's this. The church's response to race and unity has a bad track record. It has a bad track record. I've shared this with you before, but I want you to know this. We are loosely affiliated with the Southern Baptist Convention, Southern Baptist Church. Guess what? It's the Southern Baptist Church. Because they broke off from the Baptist church because they wanted to keep their slaves. That's the reason. That's it. No deep theological things. They wanted to keep slavery going in the South. And so they created the Southern Baptist Church. And I want to tell you something. In this county and every county in the South and these pulpits... It was preached, heresy was preached, that slavery was from God. And it's a lie. It's a lie. And it was a lie then, and it's a lie now. God has no time for disunity. He has no time for racism. You know why? Because, man, he had to go through Samaria. He had to. He had to. You know, it's interesting because the church did a lot what the devil did. He took a little bit, barely a little smidget of truth, and he twisted it all up to make it say what he wanted it to say. And then he tried to fool everybody with it. And I would love for you to say that in the early 1900s, the, the, the Southern Baptist Church, they, they identified, oh my gosh, we have made a huge mistake. We need to repent. And, but here's the thing, guys, they didn't. They didn't. I don't think they actually repented until the 90s. The 1990s. Not the 1890s. The 1990s. Are you with me on that? 
Do you see our track record? We're not going to get a lot of respect from people just because we say we're a Christian. Because some Christians have a bad track record on this. You see, what we're going to have to do is, is we're going to have to go through Samaria. And that means going to the places other people are, showing, showing your light and your life. I told you this story before, and I'll end with this. I've told you this story before. I went to a church that was, um, it was actually known as the White Church on the Hill. It was the White Church on the Hill. And I didn't know why people called it the White Church on the Hill. And I was pretty fervent about, you know, it, it was a white church and it was on a hill. But that's not why they called it the White Church on the Hill. And I had a friend of mine that I begged and begged and begged to come to church. I was in high school still. I wasn't even saved. I just liked going to the church and the people were nice to me. And I invited this friend to come to church. This friend was an African American. And we went to church. And the next Monday, I went to school. And I said, hey, I was so excited. I was like, hey, how'd you like the church? And she said, I'm never going back. I said, why would you not go back? She said, because there was an old lady there that I overheard say, what's that N-word doing here? It was a white church on the hill. I stand before you today joyous that that church is no longer in existence because they refuse to change. They refuse to change. They refuse to repent. Now they tried. They tried to get people. They tried. But let me tell you something. You and I both know right now at this hour, this is the most segregated time in America. And it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be. Guys, listen, we need to do better. Does that mean that we can't speak? Does that mean that we can't speak in the public square? Nope. I'm going to. I'm sorry, I'm going to. You know what I mean? I'm going to make my, make my I'm going to stand up for truth. And I'm going to stand up for things. But I'm going to tell you this too. I'm never going to put a politician or policy over people. Never. And if that makes me wrong, then I'll be wrong. I got a feeling I'll be beside Jesus when I'm wrong, but I'll be wrong. Because he had to go through Samaria. He had to. And I think we need to as well. You guys think on that. Let me pray. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, for the fact that you love us so much that you teach us the hard things and you challenge us to do great things for you. But not only that, to be the light to other people. God, my prayer is, is that we would never be, ever, ever, ever be the white church on the hill, but that we would be the city on a hill. That those from all types would come and hear the truth and then would submit their life under that truth and then they would begin to decrease as Christ increases in them. God, let us be a church that pours out on other people. And as we do, God, may your hand 
and your Holy Spirit work in their lives. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to say something to you before we start with worship. And I think a lot of people get this confused. A lot of people think that, that when people give a message like I gave today, that it means that anybody can act any way for any reason, and it's okay. And that's a lie. The reality is, is this. Anyone is welcome here, but the Bible's going to be taught. And the truth is going to go forward. Period. Period. So I'm not going to shy away from any issues because the Bible doesn't shy away from any issues. And I'm going to teach straight for what the scripture says. And you and I have the responsibility to submit ourselves under God's word. And that's what we're going to do. See, don't take the bill of goods that you don't love people because you're not willing to tell them the truth. Because this truth is the only thing going to save their soul. Holy Spirit connecting with His Word is the only thing. So you don't have to live in a place where someone says, Oh, you don't, you don't love me because you don't accept my lifestyle or accept my choices. No, it's the opposite. I love you so much to tell you a hard truth that, so that you can experience what I've experienced, and that's the freedom in living a life that's under Christ. And then you leave it with them, and then you move on. A lot of people think that Jesus was Cuddle Bear Jesus, Teddy Bear Jesus. He wasn't. He went to a town, he spoke and he preached, and if they rejected him, he dusted his sandals off and he went to the next town. And that's what he did. But I'll tell you one thing, cool thing he did. He went through Samaria. And we need to as well. Let's stand up and worship. Thank you for listening to the podcast for Real Church Coweta. If you have any questions or would like to contact us, please visit our website at realchurchcoweta.com and click on the Contact Us tab. We invite you to join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. in the Worship Center on the campus of Central Christian School in Sharpsburg. Until then, God bless and remember to love God, love others, and live real.